0: Would you look at 1 Samuel chapter 7 this morning, verse 1. And I know this verse 1 jumps right into the middle of something. I'll explain it in a moment. And the men of kerjath came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode at kerjath that the time was long, for it was twenty years. Now that's important. Twenty years. And all the house of Israel, look at this, lamented, oh, after the Lord. How long were they lamenting after the Lord? Twenty years. That's a long time to be out of the will of God. And verse 3 says, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethgar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. What a great testimony that was. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more, into the coast of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. You see the result right there at the end of that reading this morning. When they got it right, God delivered them, and He delivered them so long as they had it right. And I'm telling you this morning, if we can get this thing right, if our hearts will be right, if we'll seek the Lord in the right way this week, we can have The same kind of results. Now, let's be honest about it. There's people sitting here that don't care. They don't want it. They're not looking for it. They're not thinking about it. As soon as I'm done preaching, they'll move on to life. It won't help you if that's the decision you've made. And I can't help you if that's the decision you've made. But if you want it like they wanted it, you'll see something great happen in your life during this week. Notice, first of all, the condition of a backslidden people. In verse 1 and 2, you have this described for us, the condition of this backslidden people. Israel, they're out of the will of God. They're uh, distant from God. And we've spent a lot of time in this book of the Bible lately, a lot of time in this period of history for Israel. And we've seen a lot of the great enemy of Israel, the Philistines. We've talked about them quite a bit. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a message from 1 Samuel chapter 4, how to lose a guaranteed win. And you remember in that how that was the battle where at the end of it all, Ichabod was written over Israel because the glory of God had departed from his people. Well, do you remember how they got to that place? There were three things we lifted out in that message of how they had got to that place. The number one thing was how they were overestimating their own ability. When they went into the battle against the Philistines that day, they said to themselves, we've got this, we'll take care of this, it's all right, we can handle things. And I'll tell you today, there's a lot of people that have that same attitude. They're not interested in seeking God's help because in their heart and in their mind, they've got this handled, they can take care of it. And if I can't take care of it, my credit card can or my brother can or mom and daddy can or somebody can and they're not looking to God because they're overestimating their own ability they think they can handle whatever life throws at them but I promise you this morning life's got a way of bringing you down then secondly they were underestimating the power and resolve of the enemy You remember that day as they were standing there getting ready to fight the Philistines? The Philistines heard the shout from the camp of Israel. Israel blew up in themselves thinking there's somebody. The Philistines are thinking, oh my, watch out. And so within their resolve, they determined within themselves, hey, quit ye like men and fight. And when Israel came up against the Philistine army that day, they killed, what is it, 30,000 of them. 30,000 Israelites fell that day in that battle because they underestimated the resolve of their enemy. And I want to remind you this morning that you have an enemy uh, and the world is not your friend uh, and your flesh is not your friend uh, and the devil's not your friend uh, and if you underestimate the power of the enemy you'll be finding yourself laying on your back wondering what happened uh, because you thought that you could overcome uh, and the devil and the world uh, that you could beat them out and your flesh couldn't stop you. Friend, you'll, buy, you'll end up in trouble and the third thing they did was they left God completely out of the equation they overestimated themselves underestimated the enemy and left God completely out of the equation sure they brought the ark into the camp remember that they went and got the ark of God brought it down into the camp and sure they shouted they had a shouting spell they had a good old time fundamental camp meeting down there. I mean, they shouted it out and they uh, shouted some more. and I mean, the Philistines could hear them, but you know what it was? It was nothing but them and their flesh having a little spiritual religious hootenanny and God was nowhere in it. Now I don't care how loud you shout and I don't care how much you claim to know God. Friend, if you aren't walking with God, uh, if you can leave the church house uh, and live like a heathen uh, and not have a desire for the things of God, uh, it's your flesh. And you have no power with the Lord. They left God completely out of the equation. It was all emotion driven. Emotion driven worship. Humanistic worship. It was look at us, look at me. Look at me, look at me. Huh? That's where a lot of the singing is today. That's where a lot of the preaching is today. That's where a lot of the shouting is today. Look at me, look at me. And God was nowhere in it. Now, 20 years has passed. Now, the Philistines beat Israel 20 years ago. They took the Ark of the Covenant. After seven months, they had more reverence for God than Israel did. And they loaded that ark up and they said, get that thing out of here. Because we can't handle these emeralds and we can't handle these mice. Get that thing out of here. We don't want anything to do with it. And they sent it back toward Israel. And that's where you pick up the reading of this. How they sent it to the, the, the area of kajath And those people got the ark. It's inside the border. But the ark never made it home. The ark never made it back to its proper place. And for 20 years, it sets right there inside the line, but not where it was supposed to be. For 20 years, it has been uh, in a place separated from where God would have it to be. And it wasn't until the days of David that the ark was brought back. In other words, can you imagine it would be 20 years of Israel being distant from God? 20 years. This morning you may be sitting here in the church building. Maybe you're here often, regularly. But you could be in the same place that Israel was in at this time. So near to having God back in your life and yet so far. Maybe for 20 years you've been distant from God. But today you can come back to God. It might be five years or ten years or one year. It might be 20 weeks or 20 days. But you're distant from God. Well, today you can get back close to God. You can be right with God. This morning you can respond to the love of God and the grace of God. And and you can come when He calls your heart to come. I was sitting there thinking as Brother Bruce was singing this morning how that God might be speaking to somebody right now in this service. God might be dealing with somebody right now in this service uh, as He sang, The old man is dead. As He sang, Come thou fount of every blessing. As He "Saying, Thank you, Lord. Uh, I believe all that can stir a man and a woman's heart to realize how much they need the goodness and the grace of God in their life. And there will be rejoicing in this chapter before it's over. But before the rejoicing, there has to be a returning. It's not unlike the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Oh, didn't he find himself in a mess? And when he came home, there was rejoicing all over the house. But he had to come to himself and realize where he was and come back to the father's house first. So you see the condition of a backslidden people. Then you'll see the call for revival among the people. Thank God that God had raised up a man by the name of Samuel and put him in the right place at the right time. And verse 3 says, Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with your hearts, put away the strange gods and Asheroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Samuel preaches repentance to the people. Repentance. I want to tell you this morning, repentance must still be preached and repentance must still be done. If you're out of the will of God this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you are a Christian but you've fallen off into some sin or into some distance, uh, there's something that has your attention, something that you're giving your heart and life to, uh, something that has distracted you from where God wants you to be and you must repent of that this morning and come back to God. Repentance. Turn back, he says. Put away those strange gods, brother Bruce. Told the testimony of the man and his motorcycle, and how that was his god. His mother said, "You know, he's not the only one that's made a god out of something." You know, at least in Romans, they were worshiping the uh, the works, the things God had created. Boy, we've reached the day today where we're worshiping the things we've created. I mean, they were worshipping Ashtaroth and Baal. They were worshipping the sun god and the moon god. At least they recognized some power in that. But I'm talking about people today worshipping stuff that has been made by the hands of men. Sinful, imperfect, vile men. And we worship the creation of their hands. Notice he says in that verse, Prepare your hearts unto the Lord. You know what that means? You remember Psalm 57 that we looked at the other day? Fixed. My heart is fixed, oh God. How to fix your heart? It's the same word. Prepare your heart. The same word as Psalm 57 and verse 7. My heart is fixed. My heart is focused. Samuel said if you're going to get this right, if you're going to get back with God, you're going to need to prepare your heart. Fix your heart. Focus your heart on God. Get off of those strange gods. Get off of that sin in your life. Get off of those things that you've been giving your heart to and fix your heart on God. Get rid of the idols. And you know in verse 4 they did. The children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. They consecrated themselves unto God. I'm telling you this morning, not only is there a call to repentance in this message and in this preaching, but you must understand what God wants of you is that you would give Him your whole heart. God wants you to consecrate your life unto Him and say, Lord, I'm not much, but I give you everything that I am. I remember the day I got saved, January the 3rd, 1997. That was my prayer to the Lord that morning. I said, God, I'm sick and tired of the life that I've been living. I'm tired of the mess of everything that I've made. But God, if you'll forgive me... And If you'll save me and you'll just take what I am and use me, I want to serve you and live for you the rest of my life. That's consecration. It comes right with the repentance. You know why a lot of people made their way down to an altar and wept and cried and been emotional and walked back out and they're back in the same mess again? Well, number one, that's not real repentance. Turning away from it, that's not real turning away. Getting emotional and getting full of regret. And being ashamed of yourself, that's not repentance. It's a good start. We ought to be ashamed of our sin. But you've got to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm wrong and I know you're right and I'm going to lay this thing down. And God, if you'll help me, I'm going to give you my heart this morning and my light this morning. But I know I can't do it on my own. I know I can't overcome this sin on my own. I know I can't overcome this place that I'm in. God, if you don't deliver me, I can't deliver myself. Lord, will you receive me and help me and use me for your glory? Now I'm going to tell you, that's the kind of prayer God will answer right there. And He'll do it this morning. He surely will. Reminds me of the last revival meeting we had. and We talked about little gods. Psalm 138, in verse 1, David said, I will praise thee with my whole heart, because he had a fixed heart. He said, before the gods, little g, gods, will I sing praise unto thee. You see, I'm wondering this morning with all that's been said and all that's going on, if there aren't still some little G-gods being harbored out there among the congregation of God's people this morning. Maybe we still need to have this place of revival, repentance, of coming, and dedication and consecration to the Lord where we bring those little G-gods before the Lord and say, God, I'm going to let this little G-god know that you are the true God. You're the one that's worthy of worship. I want this little G-god to see and hear me as I worship you. Maybe there's still some little G-gods out there. You remember we talked about some of them, the cell phones, the TV remotes, The car keys, the credit cards, whatever else it may be in your life that's the little God in your life that you run to, that gives you comfort, that makes you feel better. The one that you can't wait to get back to when the day is done. Might be a bottle. Might be a pill. Might be a smoke. Whatever it is, something that you're giving yourself to before you give yourself to God. See, God wants your heart, your whole heart, your fixed heart, consecrated unto Him. They confessed their need for God in verse 6. Look at this. They gathered together to Mizpah and drew water, and watch what they did, and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day. And he said, what's that all about? Well, read it with the next part. And said, we have sinned against the Lord. What were they doing in that moment? Pouring out that water and fasting. It was an outward expression of a need for God to do something in them. Can I stop and preach right here a little while on why the altar is important and why leaving your seat during an invitation time when God has gripped your heart and coming down to an altar and presenting your body a living sacrifice to the Lord? Why that matters and why it's important. It's the same reason they drew water that day and poured it out unto the Lord. It was a physical expression of a need inside their heart. And when God's dealing with you and sin has become exceeding sinful and you're tired of living distant from God, hey, there's something to stepping out of that pew and walking down to an altar and presenting yourself to God and saying Lord here I am I ain't much but I need you God will honor that I read it again this week I'll let y'all in on another secret I prayed about it the other morning I said Lord I finished first Samuel again is it time to move on and I couldn't move on and I started reading it all over again And I come across that verse one more time. God said, they that honor me will I honor. You know, if I could encourage you to do anything this morning, it would be honor God this morning. Whatever He's saying to you, however He's dealing with you, it might be sin. It might be something you've been doing that you shouldn't do. It might be something you've not been doing that you ought to do. And God's dealing with you about that this morning. If you'll honor God by coming to Him, He will honor you this morning. They confess their need for God. You know, people are getting serious when they're finding altars and pouring their heart out to the Lord like water. When they're fasting, leaving off food, leaving off pleasures, it could be necessary things or unnecessary things. They say, Lord, I'm not interested in that. I just need you this morning. I just need you right now. They said, we have sinned against the Lord. That's a true prayer of repentance, isn't it? Didn't the prodigal pray that? Luke chapter 15 and verse 18, I will arise and go to my Father and say unto Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before Thee. Who was the sin against? It was against heaven. It was against God. This morning your sin is against God, and that's why your sin has separated you from God. That's why this morning if you're a child of God, but you're distant from God, there's something in your life that has caused that separation. There's something between your soul and the Savior this morning, and you need to make that right with God today. Bring that thing, confess that thing to the Lord. Did David not pray this in Psalm 51 and verse 4? He said, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. I'm going to tell you this morning, there is no way to get right with God without repentance and confession. So is there something this morning that you need to bring to Him? And then notice this, the challenge. The challenge to the seriousness of the people. In verse number 7, after they've confessed, they've got right, they've got it all, I mean, they're, they, they want to serve God. Samuel's prayed for them. Samuel's preached and they've, they've come, they've responded to the altar. I mean, you talk about an altar call that day. They came to the altar pouring out water, fasting, spending time in prayer. And look what happens, verse 7. And when the Philistines heard, Ah, didn't I tell you? The enemy's not going to leave you alone. And as soon as you get right, As soon as you settle in your heart, Lord, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of living astray. I'm tired of being cold. I'm tired of being indifferent. I'm tired of not being a part of what's going on at the house of God. I'm tired of being a nominal Christian. I'm tired of being a nominal church member. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to serve the one who died for me and rose again. As soon as you do it, watch out. The Philistines heard... That the children of Israel were gathered together to gather the Mizpah. They heard about a meeting going on. Amen. You reckon the devil's heard about any meetings going on around here lately? I promise you he has. Because I can tell you from this pulpit that what we're doing around here, what we're trying to do around here, there's no showmanship to it. There's no interest in making a name for ourselves. We don't care if anybody else knows about it per se as far as our name and our part. But what we want is for God to be glorified and His people to be right. And we want to have the power of God on our lives so we can reach people for the glory of God and see them saved and see them walking right with God. And I promise you that will get the attention of the enemy. You know who the devil don't bother? He don't bother them people that got the ark of God in the camp and just shouting it out, but God ain't 20 miles near it. Oh, he don't care about a shouting meeting. The devil don't care about it when we're all swinging from the chandeliers and hopping and hooting and hollering. He don't care about that. You know what he cares about? When people are on an altar broken and weeping and calling on God. You know what he cares about? He cares about when the preachers in the church are spending time praying. When the preachers are opening that book and they're not leaving it until they get something from God to give to the people, that'll get His attention. You better be ready for it. See, they challenged the seriousness of these people when they came. Oh, they're going to get right. The enemy's going to return. I'm telling you, victory yesterday is not going to be enough for today. What do you mean by that, preacher? I've got a reality check for you. The enemy's going to return You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tested. You're going to be tried over and over and over. The devil hates you. This fallen world has been hijacked and deceived to corrupt you. And your low down dirty flesh is a traitor living inside of you. So you can't be living off of that victory yesterday. You're going to need victory again today. Now how do you get it? I'll let you in on the secret. They're going to get victory over the Philistines in that next moment the same way they got it after 20 years of being apart from God. They're going to have to do the same thing. And you know how you're going to get victory today and tomorrow? The same way you got victory yesterday. Look what they did. It's simple. It's simple. Verse 8. Verse 8, what happens? Let me get back on that page. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord for us. Prayer. Now, it it ain't fancy. It ain't a 10-step program. Do you know what you're going to have to do to have victory tomorrow? You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to spend time with God. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Your biggest problem, or let me say this, your first problem isn't not knowing what to pray. Your first problem and my first problem is just getting to praying. Right? Then we can learn how. Then we can learn what? We just need to first of all learn to do it. Prayer. Verse 8. Verse number 9. Look what they did. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering. uh, Holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel and the Lord heard him. What was that? That's worship. You know what you're going to have to do tomorrow to get victory tomorrow like you got victory yesterday and like you're getting victory right now? You're going to have to worship the Lord. You say, but preacher, we don't have church tomorrow morning. You don't need the church to worship God. You can worship God anywhere and anytime long as your heart's right. Amen. Well, preacher, how do I get my heart right? Go back to verse 8. Start with prayer. Once they got prayer going, once they were praying, once they were calling on God, worship came in. And I emphasize this thing of worship in verse 9 because that's what we need this week. And all through the Bible again and again this truth is revealed that God's people to find victory in our troubles must let worship lead the way. We must. Worship, you know, I've preached on that before. You know why worship must always lead the way? Number one, because worship is what routs the enemy. And you see that over and over in the Bible many times. Second Chronicles chapter number 20 uh, tells us about that. We don't have time to look at it this morning. But before they went into the battle, the king Jehoshaphat raised up a choir and got all the musicians together and sent them out first. And they began to sing and worship God. And don't you know them soldiers behind them lined up? You know, it's tough being a soldier sometimes in formation, isn't it? You know, you're standing in formation, you ain't supposed to move. You know, make sure you don't lock your knees so you don't pass out, but you stand still, look straight ahead, don't you move. Your nose itches too bad. You got a fly going up your nostril too bad. You move, you're about to get busted. I imagine that day as the army standing lined up, ready to go, and all the musicians in the choir are launched out before them. It's like the army band. And they began to sing praises unto the Lord, and they began to sing the Psalms, and they began to worship and rejoice. And some of them old boys in line probably started tapping a boot. Oh, yeah. Before long, they was all joining. Victory in Jesus. Oh, yeah. and you know what? By the time they went into the battle, they didn't have to do a thing. God had already scared the enemy plumb off. Why? Because they worshiped God so much, the enemy couldn't stand that he had to go. Now I'm going to tell you how to overcome the enemy this morning. You worship God. You give Him your whole heart. Worship reaps the blessing of the Lord. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Worship returns you to the joy of the Lord. I told you the ark stayed down there all that time until the day came that David brought it back into Jerusalem. When he brought it back to the city, And the Bible talks about how when David came into the city, he danced before the Lord and shouted and praised the Lord. and His heart was so full of joy, so full of worship, he wanted to honor God. I tell you, the the, the worship will bring the joy of the Lord back into your heart. Hey, let me tell you something. Don't just worship when you feel like it. Worship because He's worthy. Worship because it's right. Worship because, hey, do it till you do feel like it. Amen? Worship God. Worship. Verse 10 shows us another thing, faith. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. You know what Israel did that day? they have been praying, they have been worshiping, but they had to do one more thing. They had to be willing to step out there and go down into the battlefield. And they did by faith. Now I'm going to tell you something. If you've got a prayer life, if you've got time, you spent time with God, You've really dwelt in the presence of the Lord. And you found a place of worship, and it'll always come from that. It does. It comes from that. You say, my heart's cold, preacher. I want to have that, but I don't know. You've got to spend that time in prayer. You say, well, I I tried. I mean, I read my little uh, daily bread the other morning, and and, uh, I recited the Lord's Prayer, and it didn't do nothing for me. You know what you you did? You got in a hurry. You You thought prayer's like popping a pill. You know, I take a little devotion and recite a little prayer and I get a little bit blessing. That's not what God wants. God, you know, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. This is a prayer truth now. I believe that there are times when God could not care less if you say one word. But what he cares about, boy, that just blessed you. What he cares about is that you showed up, parked yourself in that place, and stayed there until you just had to go. Oh, that blesses the Lord. Say, how do you know that, preacher? Because when he gets blessed, I feel it. you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And I tell you, sometimes God wants nothing more but for you to just take time to love him. And be with Him. And that will help your cold heart. And then worship will come. Faith to step out. I've got I to close out, I know. Then after the faith, you see the victory come. Verse 11, Men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smoked them until they came to Bethkar. I mean, it looked like, back, like when David's going to kill Goliath and they chase them, and they rout them, and I mean they're whacking them as they go. Amen? God gave them victory that day. started with a recognition of a problem. For 20 years, for 20 years, they've been distant from God. And the Bible said they lamented after the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Is your heart broke this morning? Are you discouraged this morning? Are you looking at your life and saying, I remember a time when I felt close to God. I remember a time when I was faithful to the house of God. I remember a time when, by the grace of God, I was a better man, a better woman, by the grace of God. And I'm tired of living where I'm living. And I'm tired of being half hearted. And I'm tired of being nominal. And I'm tired of people when they ask me, Oh, where do you go to church? I'm ashamed to answer because I ain't been much lately. People say, or ask me, How, are you a Christian? And I say, oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to the Baptist church downtown. I'm tired of having to hide behind some lame answer. They lamented for 20 years. And then the preacher got up and preached and said, you want to get this right? Repent right now today. Turn away from those strange gods. Get those things out of your life. Come back to God. Come around this altar and present yourself to the Lord. And the Bible said they came and consecrated themselves to God. They got revival that day. Then the battle came. Twenty years ago, they lost the battle. Oh, stay with me a minute. (laughs) See, there might be somebody sitting here this morning. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 10 years ago, you lost the battle. Because you were believing too much in you, not enough in God. And it's been years of being away from God. See, 20 years ago, they lost the battle. But on this day, they won the battle.